We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome once again to The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to access evolving possibilities and co-create new solutions. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring the evolving soul. There are endless theories regarding the concept of the human soul. Some shamanic societies see it as a fragile thing that can become fragmented and require mending in the form of a shamanic spiritual healing modality called soul retrieval. Other belief systems consider the soul to be perfect and immortal, a little piece of God, if you will. Some view it as a childlike entity that returns to earth time and time again to obtain lessons. Some societies believe the soul to be relegated to men only, with women not having one at all, while others see it as standard issue to all living things. Other common themes include the concept of soulmates, soul partners, and such, whereby the soul is not complete in and of itself, but requiring other to be whole. What is a soul? How does it differ from spirit? Do we each get our own, or do we share? Is a soul perfect and complete, or require training? Can it become fragmented? Does a soul reincarnate? If so, is it restricted to Earth, or is this an intergalactic operation? With us to explore this fascinating, if confusing, topic is Byron Belletos, author of Your Evolving Soul, The Cosmic Spirituality of the Urantia Revelation. Byron is a leading expert in the Urantia book, training in psychology, philosophy, history, and theology. He's the publisher, editor, or co-author of numerous acclaimed and award-winning books, including many related to the Urantia Revelation. A study of the Urantia book, for decades, he's spoken widely about his teachings, including innumerable radio and TV programs. His website, evolving-souls.org. 
Byron, thanks so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Well, Golda, it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really looking forward to this. So, seeing how a lot of your work circles around this, what exactly is the Urantia book? Um, we use the, uh, the pronunciation of Urantia. Cha. Uh, so it's Urantia. Urantia book. And um, Urantia is purported to be the name of our planet. So we, uh, we speak of the planet as Urantia. And um, the perspective to that is pre- presented in the Urantia book is from the standpoint of the celestial realm, who are the purported authors of the text. And so as they look down upon our planet, they call it, they call it Urantia. So therefore, we got the Urantia book, and this is a book about our planet. <clears throat> it has a history of the planet. Um, uh, some people call it an esoteric history of the planet. I just call it a straightforward history. Uh, that is not only uh, sort of the history of going back, say, to the Romans, but the history going back to the very beginning of the physical evolution of the planet. So it's definitely a, a planet book, you might say, but it has other parts that concern other topics, in particular the life of Jesus is represented in this Urantia text. Uh, it's over 700 pages, and it's a very bold claim to have, you know, the definitive life of Jesus, but that's exactly what the claim is. This is the the sort of the angelic record of the life of Christ. So that's another part of the book. And then the front parts of the book, there are four parts. The first part of the book is more the galactic perspective of the very big picture of the universe. Second part of the book is on the local, what we call the local universe. And the third part, again, is the history of Urantia. And the fourth part is the life of Christ. So that's an overview, but you can, you can, you can speak for days about what the Urantia book is. Well, it sounds like we're going to have to take a break before we get back onto the tome. <laughs> and so we'll come back after this commercial break. Brian and I will return shortly, so don't go away. All You're right, listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is proud to be produced by Realmar McConnell Media Company out of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic. 
dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness, I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Byron Belitzos, author of Your Evolving Soul, The Cosmic Spirituality of the Urantia Revelation, his website, evolving-souls.org. Byron, we were talking about this fascinating book, and um, what can you tell us about Dr. William Sadler and the nighttime sessions with an unconscious, unnamed individual? <laughs> uh, there is a, a, quite a story uh, that surrounds the the reception of the Urantia text, and it uh, centers around this well-known uh, psychiatrist and physician of the early part of the 20th century, Dr. William Sadler. Sadler was uh, a distinguished uh, author, um, thinker, philosopher, writer, and physician, and psychiatrist. He studied for a brief time even with Freud, Sigmund Freud, in, in uh, Austria. <clears throat> but he was you know, American uh, psychiatrist based in Chicago, Back then, they trained you both as a physician and a psychiatrist, and uh, he had a practice in the north side of Chicago, and it uh, it's a, quite a story, but he was kind of pulled into this situation to see what he as a doctor could figure out about a certain contactee, what turned out to be the original contact person for the Rancho Revelation. And that person's not known. The name of this person's never been released. Sadler was brought in. Um, at, at that point, Sadler was more of a debunker than anything else. But they uh, turned out they had these uh, sessions that he would attend as a skeptic in which these beings would speak through the medium in and, and the similar way to Edgar Cayce, where the— uh, Yeah, Edgar I was wondering, was he, was he like a sleeping prophet like Edgar yeah, I, I, it's, there's a, there was even a book that claims that, that, that Edgar Cayce was the contact oh. because it's so similar. And we know that Cayce was in Chicago quite a bit in this period, but it doesn't match up. And in fact, I, I did my own research and went uh, and, and found out that it couldn't have been the case. And, <clears throat> but the book is still published. So it's, one can think of it like Edgar Cayce kind of transmissions which went on for over 10 years mm, mm -hmm. before the Arantia book came. So they were sort of tutoring Sadler and his associates, which were just a few people, including his wife, who was also a physician. And so th this small group known as the Contact Commission <clears throat> were uh, there present in this room where this person would speak in these night sessions. And, and these different beings would kind of lecture them and teach them. And uh, they went and, uh, up until the year of 1923 or 24 when they said, okay, now we've kind of got you prepared. Now the real, the real business starts. Well, how, did, already... how did they, how did oh, they okay. know they were, you know, there's, a, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly out there when we're talking about spirits and channeling. How did they know it was a reliable source? Well, what, what's really amazing about Sadler is that Sadler actually had a had a like a hobby, as I mentioned, of debunking mediums. So he was I already, like him already, right? <laughs> yeah, he you know, so he wanted to sort of debunk this thing. And that's one reason he, he was on the scene because he was a skeptic, he was highly trained scientist, he was not the sort of person that had any kind of gullibility about him. So he was an authoritative person to bring into this to see if, if he could, you know, analyze it, find out what was happening. And he did all kinds of analytical investigation of the medium uh, until uh, it, it began. It, when I say it began, the, 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 the papers, what we call other chapters, but their papers would appear. Uh, they, wouldn't, they, were, they were not channeled. They were not spoken, not written down. In, in the way channeling is. Um, and so it began so how, to be... I'm sorry, I'm confused. How would they appear? Like out of clear blue or...? Yeah, more or less out of, out of the blue. But it, the way they would appear is they would appear by at first by the bedside of, the, of, the, of this medium. We, so, don't call them, we don't call them a medium. We call them the contact person. So it, <clears> let, me, let me get this straight. So out of the clear blue, kind of like manifesting from nothing, physical papers would appear by his bedside. That's correct. And these were handwritten. 
and they were in perfect grammar, perfect expression, vastly beyond what anybody could could write, even to this day. Uh, philosophic, theological, historical, metaphysical writings, and uh, they they just were baffled by this, but they were prepared for it. They were had almost they had more than ten years of preparation. And, and sort of tutoring, saying this is a different worldview, this is different cosmology, different theology. So here what, it comes. What language? What language was it written in? Yeah, it, it was in English. English. This is in uh, Chicago. Yeah, that about make your socks roll up and down, wouldn't it? Yeah, you wouldn't think it would come in Chicago of all places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so this went on for o- over twenty years. So a paper would appear. Uh, they were never able to trace the handwriting to any of the people involved. They did professional handwriting analysis. And uh, these would be intact chapters, you know, 15,000 chapters. Were yeah. they able to tra- trace the paper or the type or anything like that? Well, it was handwritten. So uh-huh. uh, the, the paper. No, I don't mean type. I mean the type of paper. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I never anybody said anything about the paper. I don't know about the paper. But uh, what we do know is that they uh, started uh, materializing. These, these papers would materialize elsewhere, including in a safe. And they would also dematerialize in the safe when they were done with, with uh, typing them. So it's, a, it's, you know, quasi, you know, it's a miraculous, you know, we don't like to think of it that way, but it's, it's paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it. So when did you personally first become interested in the Rancia book? Rancia book? Rancia. Uh, in uh, the early 70s, I, I heard about it. I was a college student and kind of a curious guy. And I was, by coincidence, living in Chicago. Uh, I was at the University of Chicago. And it, it's also coincidental that this Dr. Sadler taught there, but he had, he had passed on a few years before. Um, so there I was and uh, heard about it, you know, just by happenstance. And very soon thereafter went to their headquarters, which is on the north side. I was living on the south side of Chicago. So I, I met the, the key people and um, got to know the whole story. You know, with all the other information and channeled worked out there, what, what makes this book different? This is different um, in um, in quality and excellence uh, of language and conception that is not really comparable to anything other than possibly the course in a course in miracles in uh, in verbal uh, you know excellence coherence uh, philosophic integration. Uh, it's not like uh, sort of typical New Age channeled material, which some of which is helpful and good and, and you know, and, and good for your improving your spiritual lifestyle. But the Rancher book is not on spirituality per se. It's on reality. It's a reality book. It's philosophic. It's, it, it has a great deal of science. And the science is not sort of like the way Seth would talk about, if you remember Seth's Seth speaks, and those those books are kind of pop science, you know. Mm-hmm. This is advanced science. It's so, is not, it the kind of science that we're coming to discover is true? You know, it seems like sometimes things will be dropped, and we'll look at it and we'll go, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later, our instrumentation gets to where we can actually validate it. Yeah, very much so. Uh, on the uh, the extent of uh, you know the, the the universe itself, the size of it, uh, how many galaxies, you know, in this period of time. This is the 20s and 30s, and it wasn't even known that there was more than one galaxy. <laughs> they didn't quite know that until uh, Hubble's uh, research, you know, and that showed, oh, yeah, there's galaxies, other galaxies. And so the Ranch book was in that era telling us that there were millions of galaxies. There was no no source saying anything remotely like that, but they were giving uh, – much more detail than we can in this short radio show about the galactic uh, dimensions and uh, levels, and also to, uh, uh, the, the uh, sort of the, the the population of these realms. So, has it become a religion of sorts? No, we we don't think of it as as a, as a new religion. Uh, there 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 are efforts to really create a kind of a religion, even church churches. 
but it's not so much that it's a religion, but a worldview. So, because when you have a science packed into a, into a spiritual teaching and you have a history of the planet, that's different than a religion. And so you, you know, we have, you know, hundreds of pages of history. You know, how do you make a religion out of that? Mm -hmm. People Um, can usually manage. (laughs) Yeah. They find ways to, you know, to mystify it and to, you know, sort of, you know, but it, the history of the Rancho book is not meant to be uh, sort of like the document, you know, the, the, the history of the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like biblical history, uh, but it is history of 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 the of the great of the pre what we call prehistory of our planet. And uh, it is on the uh, it is certainly germane to our spiritual lives to know the history. So but no, the, the answer is this is not really a new religion. So the, the I understand that some of the things that's in the book have scientifically been disproven. Are you aware of that? And if so, what are they? Yeah, the the science, the the hard science in the Arantia book, is uh, what what I call heuristic. It's uh, it's a structure uh, or a scaffolding for the theology and the spirituality and the history, and it tells you flat out. It says. This part is not revelatory, but other parts of this text are revelatory. But the science is only here to give you a structure, uh, and it will be superseded. We are not authorized to preempt your scientists. We want them to continue researching. We don't want to stifle them by over, you know, telling them too much. However, much of the science of the Ranch book is correct. And was ahead of its time, and is definitely prophetic. So it's mixed. It's uh, so yes, yeah, some of it's been disproven. So is, what? So they give you science, and then they tell you it's not true. I'm kind of confused by that. Yeah, it's sort of like if you uh, were teaching third graders um, about uh, the universe, you would give them an orientation. You know, but you wouldn't give them math, and you wouldn't you know give them college-level physics, and it's more like that. So the orientation that you get is vastly more preferable than, you know, the biblical, <laughs> you know, cosmology, for example. Wasn't the yeah. biblical cosmology a lot of it? Wasn't it uh, allegorical? And is the uh, uh, is this book also have allegory in it? No, I wouldn't say it's not allegorical. And, you know, the Bible was considered allegorical by liberals, but not by, the, you know, until the 19th century, they didn't believe in evolution. Uh, you know, people had, you know, big fights over that, and uh, they thought it was literally the case, you know. and But, yeah, liberals thought that the Bible was an allegory, but most, you know, Catholics and Protestants well, thought we're it was gonna have to We're going to have to pick up with this interesting discussion on the other side of a commercial break. Byron and I will return to our discussion on the other side, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the exciting new shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. 
Our guest this hour is Byron Belitosis, author of Your Evolving Soul, The Cosmic Spirituality of the Urantia Revelation. His website, evolving-souls.org. Uh, Byron, we were let's talk about what Urantia has to say about the soul. Yes, uh, so the Urantia book has a, a, a very important section uh, about the mind and the soul and the spirit and uh, the, this particular section is sort of my favorite teaching. Well, so the soul, according to the Rancher book, is an evolutionary reality. It evolves by virtue of your life experience and in particular evolves through your decisions that you make in ordinary, everyday life. And so the soul is, is seen as, as, as I said, a, a, a growing reality as distinct from the mind, which is uh, also does grow in your intellectual growth, but is a distinct substance from the mind, and also a distinct um, a substance different from the spiritual part, the spirit, the higher self. So the spirit part of the self is non-evolutional; it's a gift of 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 God, but the soul is a co-creation of the human uh, mind. And the and this higher self, the spirit self, working together, collaborating in your life to make good decisions. And so, uh, uh, yes, this sounds ahead. quite different from most people's understanding of it. How can you be sure it's accurate? I've been I've been on this subject for decades, and I have written this book um, in order to uh, you know sort of to prove to myself that this is accurate and that this is useful. Uh, and as I look at the uh, other ideas of the soul, and I have a, a comprehensive review of the most important concepts of the soul on the, in the East and in the West, in the religions and in the philosophies of, of, of the planet, really. So I spent a long time looking at, uh, you name it, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, you know, Christian ideas of the soul, uh, philosophers like Descartes, uh, Aristotle, Plato, and uh, their ideas of the soul are interesting, but they're not as coherent and useful as this idea. This is much more um, advanced because it's embedded in a concept of the self. So my book is actually about the soul and the self. What is selfhood? Uh, you need a comprehensive sort of picture of what a person is in order to know what their soul is for. Well, you, you, speak, of, you speak about a triad. Um, what, does it have anything to do with the Trinity? What is the triad you speak of? Yeah, it's not uh, directly related to the, the, you know, sort of the theological Trinity, but it is interesting that there are three parts, main parts to the self, which um, are the, uh, at the center of it, the evolutionary part of it is the, the soul itself. But uh, in addition is the spirit self, and the ranch book has special words for this, but we'll call it the spirit. Um, and then there's the third part of the self, which is newly revealed in the Urantia revelation, is what is known as the unique personality, which is not at all the same idea as the soul. It's, it's a distinct idea that each person is, is like a mini I am. And you get that in some of the uh, in New Age and channel teachings um, of the I am presence. And that is not the soul. It's, it's the presence of the person, or what would you call the personhood. And the, the personality or personhood has a few attributes. One is that it is self-aware. <laughs> and secondly, it has will. And so the will is actually not is located not so much in the mind, but in the personality. So this is the triad. The triad is the personality, the evolving soul, and the spirit self. Okay, and so personality is, as I've learned to view it in psychology and everything else, is oftentimes a result of our damage, our triggers, our belief systems. How does this differ in the personality you're talking about? Yeah, it's just a new definition, um, and, and uh, so the definition we have today in psychology it has to do with behavior and you know, sort of how you manifest your identity, 
And uh, this is just a different definition, but uh, I would uh, I would remind folks that that is a new definition of, of personality from the more the 50s, 60s. But the Rancho book comes through in the, in the 30s, uh, in that era, before we had that word. But in any case, it's just, it's just a, a semantic quibble. And uh, personality is, is revealed to be unique in eternity. Uh, so each individual is uniquely loved, beloved, is created by God and given a unique selfhood that will express itself throughout eternity. Okay, so this the selfhood yes. is is does is this um, involve reincarnation when you say expresses throughout eternity? Yeah, this is not a sort of Hindu uh, style reincarnation uh, cosmology. So in the, in the reincarnation cosmologies, um, we're returning. And I like the way you you put it at your opening statement. You said it's sort of like you're a child and you have to keep coming back and reincarnating. Right. I don't know if you remember you said that. I thought yeah. that was a very good way to put it because you, you have to be recycled back to kindergarten uh, in that in that, in, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a little pejorative the way I'm putting it. But you're being brought back to this planet uh, to experience this planet again and again and again. And I can understand that that idea, but it's really honestly, it's kind of medieval in the sense that. That medieval, you know, uh, uh, religions didn't know there were other planets and other worlds and higher worlds, and that there was an ascension into the universe and into the heavens. Uh, some of the shamanic teachings definitely had a higher worlds, but it's it was not well known. But the Rancher book is a massive revelation about the afterlife. Massive. There is nothing even close to it. It's depiction of the afterlife in these higher realms. Okay, so help me out here. <laughs> I'm still kind of confused. What's the difference with the afterlife that it presents uh, based um, on the ones that we look at? Uh, the the ones, which ones do you mean? Well, you know, we talk about afterlife, um, and there's as you can, as many definitions of afterlife as you can say, shake a stick at. Some think that we die and we hang out there till the great ascension. Some people think that we die, we go to the afterlife and we help from there. Some people think we die, we go to the afterlife, we come back. Um, so how is it taught through through this book? Yeah, so so the, 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 the ideas that we have of the afterlife come from the ancient religious teachings. Uh, also, they come from the teachings of Jesus recorded in the Bible. And these are all ancient, pre-modern, pre-scientific, lacking in, in any kind of scientific cosmology. So they, they are going to be uh, highly uh, you know, tainted by the fact that they're ancient and pre-modern. What we need today is whoa, a, whoa, new, whoa. a think, new picture. I think I'd kind of have to argue that. Okay. Um, you know, when we got into our great scientific mind, we kind of lost a lot of our spirituality and our understanding of the way life works. Um, how do you reconcile that viewpoint? Yeah, that's only because science overreached into realms that, that are not its business. And uh, it's the business of, of uh, other, other, other faculties of the mind, not the scientific study of matter isn't going to reveal heaven. But anyway, the, the larger point here is that we, uh, uh, the, the ideas of heaven that we have from the Bible and from Hinduism are, are pre pre-modern. Yes, moderns gave up the whole thing. But now we have a, re, uh, a, a dialogue of science and religion throughout our culture. And uh, we're recovering these, and, and scientists are pulling, they're, they're pulling back. Well, for example, you have uh, near-death experience, the science of near-death experience. And um, that is revealing new facts about, about the afterlife. Well, even as as we go into um, um, quantum physics, science of quantum physics, we're starting to bridge over into um, spirituality. That's right, and and quantum physics points us in the right direction, sometimes. But I, I find it to be uh, less useful uh, to base your spirituality on quantum physics, which is a study of matter, is not a study of spirit. And one has to be careful not to conflate those two. But uh, but I get so your larger me, point. 
Yes. Yeah. So tell me, Brian, where where did you, um, you know, come into this? What what um, educational background do you have that's helped you dissect this so well? I was at uh, I was an undergraduate at University of Chicago in philosophy and history of ideas. So you know, I spent my time uh, looking at the the really the history of religion and the history of philosophy. So the Arantia book was quite right for me because it's. It's the culmination, really, of the history of 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 the of theology and philosophy on our planet, because it, the Urantia book harvests the ideas of the most advanced thinkers. But what that, does thinking that, and ideas have to do with spirit? It has to do with the coordination of the realities that we perceive, and we we have experiences of of the spirit, which are not. Which are beyond mind, beyond the mind, but we, but in order to communicate about them, we need language, and philosophy is 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 sort of the science of language, so we definitely need ideas. <laughs> we, uh, but ideas are not spirit; they're ideas, and they're a separate domain. I agree with you on that, Guilda. Um, and also, we have you know really have to divide it into three aspects of reality. It's it's the material the idea, ideational, and the spiritual. But the Ranch book actually adds a fourth one, which is personality. It's a separate substance from ideas and things and, um, and, and matter. I haven't, we've been talking a lot about things that have to do with cerebral functioning. Right. And, and all of this seems very heady to me. Is there any place in that book that relates to the heart? Yeah, so it's it's uh, it just it's sort of the, the tenor of our of our discussion has been heady indeed, and the Rancher book is about love. It's a book about love, and it's it's not a, a sort of poetic text. You know, it's not like Shakespeare, but it is. Uh, it's about love. It's at the center of the universe, and in fact, it really is a center of the universe, and the center is a loving father, mother, beyond gender. But we, we think of it as loving father, mother God, and it's all love. And so it's about the heart. It's about feeling the presence of God. And the, fe- the felt sense of God's presence is the core teaching of the Rancho book. But they go through all this other verbiage in order to straighten us out about these other subjects that are, that are way, way, way out of date. And um, yes, it's, how, it's, how can truth be out of date? Uh, this, the cosmology and the science and the history are out of date. They're, they're from biblical times. Well, we're going to have to take another break. On the other side of it, we'll get deeper into how can truth be out of date? <laughs> we'll need to take another short commercial break. Before we pause, let remind you to check the amazing upcoming galactic shamanism classes on findyourpathhome.com. Byron and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. 
It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at, the, at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one that's interested. Our guest this hour is Byron Bilitos, author of Your Evolving Soul, The Cosmic Spirituality of the Urantia Revelation, his website, evolving-souls.org. Byron, we were about to get into this very interesting concept of if spirit is eternal, how can eternity or truth become outdated? <laughs> That's a great subject. <laughs> so, yes, of course, it's eternal, but we are not in that realm. So we are evolving toward that place, right? So we're not, we're not perfect beings with perfect perception of the truth. Uh, so the truth remains the truth, but our perceptions are not very accurate. So for us, it evol- we evolve toward higher truth. Um, uh, or higher uh, approximations or better approximations of truth, right? So it's it's just the cultural evolution of, of our planet we're speaking of, not that you know God God itself, God herself or himself, is not eternal, not 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 the absolute truth. However, that said, uh, there is an evolutionary aspect of God according to the Rancher Revelation and and current theology speaks of God as evolutional, even. Uh, okay, and, so evolutional means he's not perfect, he, she's not perfect. Correct, that there, there are two phases of deity, uh, it, actually many aspects of deity, many faces of deity, you might say, and one of the faces of deity is deity in space and time. So deity in space and time is evolutional. But, well, would that be our concept of deity then, if it's in space and time, and that's what evolves? Yeah, that that is evolving kind of with us, co-creating with us, and that's why I wrote a book about the soul because the soul is the evolutionary part of us that sort of co-creates the, the God in space and time. With okay, so with, yeah, so I'm still a little uncle- unclear on the difference between soul and spirit according to the book. Uh, it took me uh, 20 years to get clear. So, well, fix, <laughs> fix that for me, would you? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> so, uh, so the spirit part of the self uh, is revealed in the Arantia book to be eternal, and it's a fragment of deity of the eternal God. So, there's God eternal, eternal God in eternity, and God in space and time. So, the eternal aspect of deity comes in like a fragment of that God into you, into the child, and is, is, is there quietly within you. And that is true God. That's, that's the Atman, as they call it in, in Hinduism. It's the God self. So, so that's, that's yeah. our, our little piece of, of, of heaven, our little piece of, of God. And does that piece um, come and go and remain the same? Yeah, it remains the same. However, it it sort of is a is a is a is a collector. It, it's it's the it's a harbor that harbors the evolution of our soul. So the soul is a distinct entity that it it being the spirit self, the, the thought what we call the thought adjuster, that is the god the god fragment. It is fostering the growth of the human self toward God, toward itself. So it's guiding us. So we, you know, New Age thought, we think of, of our guides, who's gu- they're guiding us. So this, this is an inner guide that is infallible. So how many, how many people follow the philosophy offered by this book? Uh, there, there are 17 translations. And so there are people throughout the world, Russia, you know, China, Europe. Um, we have an Arabic translation coming out. Uh, it's very big in the Spanish language. French, 
Um, in the United States, there's, I was just at the, the international convention. There were 500 people. It was a fabulous event, very spirited, people from all over the world. And it's, it's, it's expanding rapidly, but it, you can tell it's not, it's not like pop psychology. It's not that easy of a text. Uh, so how about how many people do you think at this point? I'd say in the United States, uh, you know, it's sold a million copies, over a million copies in English. But out of that, you know, the loyal readership may be 20,000 to 50,000 in, you know, in English. It being such a difficult text, apparently, um, are there study groups um, that help with it? Or how, how do you get the information across to people? Yeah, there are study groups throughout the world. Um, in North America, there's quite a few. Uh, I was at a conference in British, because you're in Canada, so uh, in uh, British Columbia, the uh, University of British Columbia put on a major conference uh, 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 20 years ago, and it was huge. There's a lot of people from Canada <clears throat> at that event. Uh, so it's in Canada, for sure, in study groups. So if there's, if there's study groups and that sort of thing, how does it differ from a cult or a religion? Um, as, as you can see, it's, it's framed more uh, broadly uh, because it has science and history and uh, other fields you know, covered. So it's really like a uh, cosmic encyclopedia <laughs> uh, of, of knowledge, but it has this heart-centered teaching of the life of Jesus, as I mentioned in part four, that is all about the heart. It's all about love. It's all about your life uh, path. Uh, but it's but that's it's much more than that, as I mentioned. And so, th if you just want to focus on the spirituality, it's a great way to go because you have a great spiritual teaching based on the life of of Jesus. And so, you're kind of getting a vastly updated version of the biblical Jesus that's uh, modern and that is um, <coughs> I find far more inspiring. Well, Je Jesus was alive um, 2017 years ago, right? <laughs> right. So, so why do we need a modern form? Uh, in the Arantia book, we're taught that this was an incarnation of our Creator. Um, the uh, presence of a Creator of this sort on a planet is by far the biggest thing that could possibly happen to the planet. And um, he was... Um, uh, not just a great man, he was also God incarnate uh, on on the planet and teaching us. And that's why they made such a huge effort to give us a, an updated version of his teachings. In so do you, do you believe we're kind of at the end of days um, where things are, are, are kind of <coughs> going changing rapidly? Not in the biblical sense. You know, in the book of Revelation, where, you know, this is the end of days, and there'll be an antichrist, and all of that sort of thing. You know, that's a mythic idea of the end of time. Uh, but this, this is an acceleration, exponential change. And the Rancher book is timed for this modern, actually postmodern era. Because, you know, we can't, you know, young people aren't going to just believe in something that's from a pre-modern, pre-scientific ancient, you know, mentality. I they, don't know. We didn't have trouble for, for years and years with that. You know, as long as the, as long as the teaching is holding truth and heart, I, do, I think it's timeless. And, and how can we tell that this isn't false prophecy? Uh, the only way to tell anything is, is to actually be involved, read the text itself. <clears throat> Talk to the people like myself who have studied and, have, you know, have done their homework and, and, and go to the uh, study group. But by far, if, if you have the intellectual interest, read it, uh, see what you think, and see how it feels. It's, it's very interesting that this tome came through, what, in the 20s? Yeah, it came through the 20s and 30s. Uh, and how, it, how many authors? Uh, there, uh, uh, it's close to 30 celestial beings who were authors of the text. Very interesting. So let's, we got just a little bit of time left. How does the soul distinguish from the rest of the human? Like, in other words, we talk about there's ghosts and, and people that haven't crossed over. How does that play in here? You know, the Urantia doesn't talk so much about, about that aspect, but um, we, uh, Urantia folks, understand that there are souls 
that don't cross over readily and need to be uh, need to be sort of uh, introduced or induced to move on <laughs> to move good up. Psych- good old psychopump work. Yep. Yeah, that kind of work is. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's not so much done among Urantians, but we understand this because the soul, particularly if there's a violent death, uh, gets stuck here and um, it needs to move up into the next dimension. And uh, the Urantia book is very important because it tells you so much more detail about the next stage, next dimension, uh, the afterlife that you would never be stuck. You'd be ready to go. You'd be going like going home in the afterlife. A lot of our, a lot of our belief systems set us up for that though. Don't you think they do, but not, not much detail and not much, uh, coordination with other, uh, realms of knowledge. And so the, what's important for, I want to leave people with is integration of knowledge. So we have very important pieces of this that have come through without the Arantia book particularly in the last, say, 40 years. But the Rancher book is an integration of all of these different areas of knowledge, esoteric knowledge, historical knowledge, theological, who is Christ, what is the soul, how does it evolve. All we of these know it's, it, Byron, it's hard to believe, but we're already out of time. Thank you so much for being with us on the show. Our guest this hour has been Byron Velatosas, author of Your Evolving Soul, The Cosmic Spirituality of the Urantia Revelation. His website, evolvingsouls.org. This has been The Science of Magic. Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking, topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you embrace evolution. <laughs>